Hey guys, Pete Mundo here. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Always appreciate it. And if you want a free Heartland College Sports koozie, all you got to do is rate, review, subscribe to the podcast right here on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Then you send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com of that rating and the review. And I will get the koozie in the mail for you. We're approaching spring. Keep the beer cool. Thanks so much, and enjoy the show. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes They just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards from McCluskey on the grab. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone, it's a touchdown! Oh, mother! Well, Kyler Murray says no to Major League Baseball. Also, we've got recruiting rankings in the books and much more. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We're your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We appreciate you joining us. And, of course, a lot of basketball talk to get to as well with Matthew Postens coming up in just a few minutes. But where I want to kick things off with the show is, is the news that Kyler Murray, this came down earlier this week, Kyler Murray is returning over a million dollars to the Oakland A's, and he is saying, I am taking a shot at the NFL. Now, this is a huge deal for multiple reasons. First off, let's talk about the big picture here when you say baseball versus football. This is another sign that this generation is lost with baseball and has zero interest in the sport. You know, I don't know about you. I grew up a big baseball fan, diehard New York Mets fan, and I still like my team. But I got to be honest, baseball as a sport, has lost me. Now, I'm 30 years old. I'm not a kid, but I'm also not some 50-year-old man. And I just I can't get into the sport. It has lost a lot of people under the age of 35. I'm now college football through and through. I'll dabble with the NFL, and that's about it. And here's who Kyler Murray, who had, you know, was the top 10 pick, had a million-plus dollar bonus, and was going to make many more seven figures had he stayed with the Oakland A's. And he said, you know what? I won the Heisman Trophy, got to the college football playoff. Yeah, I'm 5'10 on a good day with, uh, you know, <laughs> with heels on, but I'm going to take my shot at the next level. This is terrible news for baseball. Terrible news. This is not choosing between the two sports in the standpoint of they were both on equal footing. You already had a million bucks in the bank. You could have a 15-year career in Major League Baseball and still walk afterwards. This guy has a chance that even if Kyler Murray makes the NFL, I mean, and if he has any type of career, 
unless he's playing behind the greatest offensive line in the history of the NFL, he's going to take a few shots, man. He's not a big guy. And for him to just say, I loved football too much to give it up, I mean, it's it's very, very telling. Very telling. And I, I'm not shocked, but I am surprised. I just thought eventually Scott Boris, the money, would win out. And he'd say, you know what, I got to do this baseball thing. His loyalty to the A's, they gave him a year to go play college football. He'd say, I got to do this. He said, no, I just love football too much. And I am, I'm really surprised. And I was very surprised when I heard this story earlier in the week and the news came out. Um, and you look at football in general. I mean, the AAF over the weekend, which, by the way, has a lot of Big 12 players, especially on the San Antonio Commanders. Go Commanders! I think Joel Lanning's on the team, Aaron Green of TCU, a lot of Big 12 faces on the old commanders. So uh, the, the ratings for the AAF beat the ratings for the NBA game of the week on ABC between James Harden and the Houston Rockets and Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is earth-shattering news. I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing to think that all of a sudden – The AAF, a week after the Super Bowl ends, meaning, you know, it's not like people are hungry for football. It ended six days ago, and it's still beating out the NBA. I mean, football has uh, encapsulated our hearts, our minds in every which way, and this this decision by Kyler Murray is another example of that. And it's also, listen, the rich get richer. This is great news for OU. To have a guy that's going to be a top – I mean, the over-under I saw on Kyler Murray's draft pick is 9.5. It feels high. But, geez, people love quarterbacks, and I could totally see somebody falling in love with this guy, trading up into the top 10 to pick him. Wouldn't shock me. For Lincoln Riley to have two top 10 quarterbacks taken, you know, the number one pick last year in Baker Mayfield, a guy who should have won Rookie of the Year, have two straight Heisman winners, and potentially two straight top 10 picks off of two college football playoff appearances in a row, and who knows what he's going to do with Jalen Hurts this year. This is stuff you haven't seen before, what Lincoln Riley is doing. And I know there are some OU fans listening or watching, uh, whether it's radio, podcast, YouTube, whatever, and are like, oh, stop kissing OU's butt. I'm not trying to kiss OU's butt. I'm just laying it out there for you. I mean, this is uh, incredible. And this is actually a good thing for Lincoln Riley's resume. Not that he needed more good things, but it's just another feather in his cap if Kyler Murray does not go in the top 10 or who knows if it's higher in the NFL draft. I don't know what type of career he's going to have. You know, Here's how I've described Baker Mayfield. If you listen to the show, you've heard me say this. Uh, excuse me, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a great athlete, a good football player. Baker Mayfield is a great football player, a good athlete. I'd rather have... Baker Mayfield, from the standpoint of that combination, is more valuable to me. Great football player, good athlete. Tom Brady is not a great athlete. He's a good, great football player, great football IQ, loves the game, really smart, average athlete. You know, But someone's going to fall in love with Kyler Murray. I don't know if the game translates as well to the NFL for Murray. I mean, far more of a runner, used far more of his legs than Mayfield ever did. Uh, good arm. But at 5'9", I mean, Baker was six foot, and people were like, ah, is he too short? At 5'9", with the game that much faster, can Murray see it? Can he see the game unfold at that pace, at that height? Yes, Russell Wilson can do it, but you're talking an inch or two shorter than Russell Wilson. So 
And, and Russell Wilson landed in the perfect spot, let's be honest. With that defense starting his career, with that defense at that time in Seattle, with that head coach and Pete Carroll, I, that's just sometimes where you go is just as important as who you are and how you play. Uh, and Russell Wilson was able to be groomed. So, hey, we'll see. We will see. Well, uh, recruiting rankings in the books. And I used 247, 24-7, whatever you want to call them. You have Texas and OU both finishing in the top six. Texas came in at number three in the rankings. OU came in at number six. And then for the Big 12, a massive drop-off down to 33. Um, we're going to talk to Derek Duke about this coming up later in the show. He's our recruiting expert at heartlandcollegesports.com. But I got to be honest, the drop from six to 33 in the Big 12 is really concerning. TCU is the third-ranked team in the Big 12 when it comes to recruiting rankings at 33. And then it's like a mosh pit of teams. It's TCU, Baylor's at 35, gosh, Matt Rule. I don't think uh, – maybe Baylor fans appreciate him, but from what I see on the outside looking in, I still think Baylor fans undervalue this guy and underappreciate this guy. Uh, Oklahoma State at 37. And then you go to Iowa State at 48 and West Virginia at 49. So you got four teams, five teams jammed into a 15-team uh, you know, range there from 33 to 49. I don't love that drop-off. You know, TCU typically over the last couple of years has recruited generally top 25 classes under Gary Patterson since this team has picked up its pace in the Big 12. Uh, to see him down at 33, I'm, I'm not concerned about it. Listen, the gap between 25 and 33 is you're splitting hairs a little bit here. But what I love about the Big 12 and have loved about the Big 12 is, yes, OU has been there consistently at the top. And it looks like Texas is now consistently getting back to the top level. You know, Tom Herman got the team to the Big 12 championship game last year. Top, uh, number three recruiting class in America this year off of what? Number top five last year, top 10 last year. Things are clearly trending in the right direction. But... What I loved about the Big 12 is that there was that non-blue blood every year that was in the mix, whether it was TCU or in Oklahoma State. Um, you know, you saw Baylor in there during the Art Bryles tenure. I don't want to lose that in the Big 12. I, I just, especially with a 10-team league, I'd hate to go back to just predictably OU Texas, as much as it's good for the conference. You've heard me say this time and time again. OU and Texas being good is good for the Big 12, just like Ohio State being good is good for the Big 10. Um, you know, Alabama for the SEC, USC for the Pac-12. We get it. You get it. I all We all understand that. But I just want to make sure that there's not a massive competitive drop-off because that would just be, you know, and I don't think it's going to be massive. I just don't want to make the conference too predictable, and I don't want to overreact to one set of recruiting rankings or classes, right? I don't have any intentions of doing that, although we all are prone to overreaction sometimes. But I just saw that gap of 27 spots between the number two team in the conference in rankings for this 2019 class and the number three team, and I was like, yeah, that's a pretty damn big drop, pretty damn big drop. And then to have all those teams bunched up there and the Iowa States and West Virginias. And, you know, you had so many new coaches, too, this year, which changes, especially with the early signing day. If you're bringing in a new head coach and now with this early signing day, yeah, I mean, you are chasing your tail all day, every day, up until that first Wednesday in February. It used to be you had a couple of months to get guys in the mix. And the last year that happened was Matt Rule's final year coming into Baylor. 
So it worked out for him. But if you were Chris Kleiman or Neil Brown or uh, Les Miles or uh, Matt Wells, I mean, you are walking into a difficult situation, but that's true for any new head coach. It just so happened the Big 12 turned over 40% of its coaches this year. I still think, and I don't want to give the guy a hard time because he knows what he's doing, but can Oklahoma State recruit a top 25 class, please? 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 That's all I'm asking for, Mike Gundy. Please give me a top 25 class. My gosh. I mean, you got top 25 facilities. You got a top 25 program. You won 10 straight, you won 10 games in three straight seasons, except for this past year. But recruiting always pays off the year after the year that you had the success. This guy's in the mid 30s every year, high 30s every year. It's like, and I get it. Trust the process. Gundy knows what he's doing. I don't want to give him a hard time. It's almost like the guy likes this whole thing where, you know, he hires these coaches from Shippensburg and Princeton and whatnot. And then he doesn't recruit as well as fans want him to. But then he goes wins and, you know, wins his 9, 10 games. So maybe I'll just pipe down. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm just saying. It would it kill you to get a couple four-star guys in there, at least a couple more? I don't think it's too hard to ask. Stillwater's a great town. I mean, get them in there, Mike. Come on. Let's go. All right, coming up, let's talk some hoops. Matthew Postens does a great job for us on the basketball side. He'll join us a ton to get to on the Big 12 basketball scene right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, the Big 12 Conference enters the back end of February, and what a race this thing is turning into on the basketball side. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And the guy who's been uh, covering the basketball scene as well as anybody is Matthew Postens. You've been reading him. You've been hearing him weekly on the show, and it's great to get him back on because there is uh, so much to dive into. Matthew, Tuesday night, uh, Kansas State on the ropes in Austin. It's looking like, is this the moment where Kansas gets a big win Monday, Kansas State gets upset Tuesday, and suddenly here come the Jayhawks once again. But it was K-State coming back in the second half, picking up that win. How much do you think that victory on Tuesday night for the Wildcats did for this team's confidence here over these final couple of weeks? Well, I don't think that you know Kansas State is really lacking for any confidence at this point. I think what probably bolsters them more than anything else was that they won that game without Cardia Jara, uh, one of their uh, top six guys. Uh, and their post, McCall Mowian, or Mowian, I should say, uh, who doesn't really score a whole lot of points for them, actually came through with a really big game for them uh, on the floor, scored 11 points. All five of their guys were in double figures. So I think what you saw was their starting lineup picked up the slack when Jara wasn't able to play. But you know, again, the, the depth we've kind of talked about as a thread throughout the conversations we've had over the past few weeks, there's still not a lot of depth on this Kansas State team. They get minutes out of guys, so they can at least get some of their starters some breaks, but, you know, they're not getting a lot of points from their from their back end of their bench. But, you know, if the starters continue to play the way that they played on Tuesday night, uh, they're going to be hard to beat. I mean, <laughs> Texas had a big... Uh, cheering section on Tuesday night between Kansas and Baylor and Texas Tech and Iowa State. All four of those teams would have loved to have seen Kansas State fall off, but 
yeah, that second half of that game for Kansas State, they shot at one point 75% from the floor. I mean, they yeah. had a fantastic game. Uh, Bruce Weber made a couple of fantastic adjustments in that game, defensively shutting down Kerwin Roach and Courtney Ramey, offensively really kind of extending their possessions and getting points out of most of those possessions to kind of slow the game down a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he showed that, the, that this team has the ability to make adjustments when they lose a guy. And they've been showing it all year. They've been without Dean Wade at times. They've been without Stokes at times. Now they're without Giara for, for the unforeseeable future with a ring finger injury. They seem to be able to make adjustments when it matters the most. Now, Matthew, you were at the big Monday game, Kansas uh, against TCU down in Fort Worth. You were there. Kansas needing overtime to get by the Horn Frogs. Uh, you know, listen, they're what, a game and a half, half a game back here in the standings. They're right in the mix, but this does not look like the Kansas team that we thought we were going to be seeing this year. We've talked about that due to injuries and suspensions and whatnot. How did Monday night change your perspective of this team, if at all? Well, I think, you know, this team is going to fight. I mean, they started four freshmen for the second straight game, and uh, I think the thing that really kind of stood out to me was just the growth of Devon Dotson, uh, their freshman point guard, who – you know, has been starting since the very beginning of this season, but when they had guys like LeGerald Vick and, and, and Doka as a big way, you know, Dotson had, didn't have to necessarily be the guy. You know, really, when you think about it against TCU on Monday night, he was the guy. He had 25 points. He had 10 rebounds. He had five assists. Uh, he had a huge game. Uh, Ochai Abaji, uh, who's been playing since January, he had a big game as well. Uh, you know, and teams are focusing now on Diedrich Lawson and, and TCU head coach, Uh, Jamie Dixon made this point after the game. They wanted to take Lawson away as much as possible because the first time they played, Lawson had 31 points. He only scored, I think, 13 points against TCU the other night, and then he actually fouled out of the game late. Um, But the thing is, if Dotson and Agbaji and some of these other freshmen are going to pick up the slack, then it's going to matter less what teams do against Lawson defensively. And now that Gerald Vick is out for the foreseeable future with uh, uh, his leave of absence, you know, somebody has to step into that void and shoot the three and shoot the long jumpers and, and create some more offense. And, and Dotson looks like he's going to be that guy. So, you know, this team's got a ton of fight in them. I don't think Bill Self questions that at all. And they're not the most aesthetically pleasing Kansas team you've ever seen. Self admitted that, too, after the game. But they know they have no margin for error, and they are in this to, at the very least, get to the point where they can play Kansas State in a couple of weeks maybe be a game back, maybe if Kansas State stumbles, stumbles somewhere and they can maybe force a tie at the top of the Big 12. They, they know what's ahead of them, and, and they don't seem to be afraid of it. Yeah. Matthew Postens covers the Big 12 hoops scene as well as anybody joining us on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So, Matthew, you know, a couple of games this weekend, and you talked about a couple of maybe stumbling, bro- stumbling blocks you got K-State hosting Iowa State. You also have a big game in Baylor at Texas Tech. And, you know, those are obviously the two games of the weekend in the Big 12 this weekend. Uh, back-to-back, 1 o'clock Saturday for the game in Lubbock, 3 o'clock for the game in Manhattan. Looking at these two, how do you think ultimately uh, these are going to play out in terms of what they'll come down to and how this can really shake up the standings? Well, what's great is their potential elimination games for all four, for, or at least for all three, the yes. three of these teams, for Iowa State, for Texas Tech, and, and for Baylor. They're, they're basically elimination games. I mean, if, if Kansas State beats Iowa State on Saturday, I, I think Iowa State is done as a legitimate contender to win the Big 12. It would be really hard for them to make up three games 
with, uh, I think, six games remaining on the schedule. You know, the Cyclones are a lot like Texas, except they're a better shooting and a better scoring team. They like to play up-tempo. They like to really move the basketball up and down the floor. So, again, you're going to have that contrast in styles on Saturday where I could see, you know, Kansas State again really trying to extend each possession offensively. They're a deliberate offensive team to begin with, but they can run the floor in transition, especially off their defense. But against Texas on Tuesday night, they really made a concerted effort to really extend each possession and try to get the the shot clock down to five before they took their shot. They could do that again against Iowa State. Uh, For Baylor and Texas Tech, you know, right now Baylor is so undermanned because it looks like Mason won't play. It looks like McClure won't play. I I think there's a better chance McClure might play than Mason at this point uh, based on their injuries. But Baylor's finding a way to get it done. Their bench guys who are now starters like Devontae Bandu and Freddie Gillespie are are giving them very good production off the bench. Uh, The thing is, you know, Texas Tech isn't banged up. They're not uh, injured uh, in any way. They're, They're at full strength. So I could see Texas Tech winning that game over Baylor and kind of, you know, really setting Baylor back in that race because, of course, Baylor lost to Uh, Kansas State last weekend so you know for the teams that lose aside from Kansas State in those two games they're probably out of the race so there's a lot of desperation going on in both of those games on Saturday. Matthew Poston joining us all right Matthew is it fair to say that you know there was some thought a couple of weeks ago maybe eight big 12 teams can make the conf or make the NCAA tournament we got to say we're we're down to three at this point right the Oklahoma schools are done West Virginia is done it's more so can Texas and TCU hang on and and clinch a bid in the big dance. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing Oklahoma get there at this point. I mean, overall, they're 15 and 10. And overall, they still have a very good, you know, RPI index, whatever you want to look at. I mean, all, all of the Big 12 teams, I think, are in the top 100 in terms of strength of schedule, RPI, and those sorts of things. So in terms of uh, their quality against the other conferences and against the other teams in – uh, the NCAA, that's not in question. But the real problem for Oklahoma is they've lost five games in a row, and they just don't look like the team they were a month ago. They, you know, they could still bounce back and win 20 games, and that might get them in the tournament. But I don't think that they're the Iron Lock, you know, NCAA tournament eight, nine, ten seed that I thought they might be a month ago. Mm-hmm. I think right now there very much is a dividing line between those top seven teams, including Texas. I mean, you know, Texas is only, you know, six and six in conference and 14 and 11 overall, but they played a tough schedule. Uh, they've done pretty well against uh, ranked teams for the most part, especially in non-conference play. They've got that win over North Carolina. They can hang their head on uh, TCU 17 and seven. They look good. They look solid. Uh, they've been very good at home and they've got some opportunities, I think, to kind of bounce back and get close to 20 wins. So I think at most the Big 12 is probably a seven-bid league. But I think as long as Oklahoma can stay above 500 overall, I think they're going to go to the NIT. West Virginia, a lot of uh, – we'll leave you on this, Matthew. A lot of drama there. Um, a lot of rumors flying around in Morgantown and what's been a terrible year for Bob Huggins and his team. You buying into any of it? Or are you just kind of letting it go by the wayside? What do you make of that? And yeah, there's, there's just so much going on uh, right now at West Virginia. I've been – you know, I saw a tweet from from a guy that you know we talked to a lot, Brandon Lowe, up at WBS Radio up there in Charleston, and you know he kind of mentioned that apparently there was there might be some rumors of point shaving there uh, when it comes to to certain players. Given the way West Virginia has been playing this year, I find that really hard to believe. I mean, they've they've had some real groaners in terms of just. Uh, the the amount of, of margin of, of loss. So I'm not really buying that as a 
as the reason why Issa Ahmad and, and uh, Wesley Harris were dismissed from the team earlier this week. I think it's more about the fact that this program right now, for some reason, is just in complete free fall. Um, you know, Bob Huggins has made it very clear over the course of conference play that he's not happy with the effort. He's not happy with the buy-in. He's not happy with how his players have been approaching things. And I, I think it's really more just the fact that uh, if, if those three things are accurate, if what Bob Huggins is saying is accurate, then if Ahmad and Harris aren't bought in to what they're doing, then, you know, then I, I guess, you know, Bob Huggins is well within his rights to go ahead and let them go. Uh, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just more fuel for the fire at this point in terms of just how, how bad things have gotten from West Virginia. Uh, for a team that a lot of folks felt was you know, going to be a top three or a top four team in this conference this year, and now they're, they're at the very bottom looking up, and you know, there's a lot of question marks about where they go from here. Matthew Postens does a good, uh, as good a job as anybody covering the Big 12 basketball scene. It's always good to talk to him. We'll be talking to him every week here on the show until there are no more Big 12 teams left playing basketball, which hopefully is not until early April, ideally. Matthew, thanks so much for a few minutes, and we'll do it again next week. Okay, thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Good work there from Matthew Postens. Always good to have him on and chat. Really appreciate a few minutes of his time. And we're coming up some final thoughts, including Bob Stoops taking an XFL job. The heck's that all about? It's all right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, I know some of you are going to be upset because we've had a little bit of an, uh, not OU heavy, but... OU's been in the headlines this week with Kyler Murray and now this Bob Stoops move to the XFL. Let me touch on that here for a few minutes. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, being a part of the show. However you are consuming us, whether it's radio, whether it's podcast, YouTube, whatever it might be, uh, thanks for joining us. You know, I've, I've been... Uh, owning and operating this Big 12 website for a very long time. It has grown rapidly over the past couple of years. And I used to work in Oklahoma. Now I'm in Kansas City. I was in New York in between. And it's been great to uh, bring the Big 12 and bring a Big 12 platform to all of you. And I've really enjoyed it over the last couple of years. And, of course, tons of help from my guys, Matthew Postens, Derek Duke, Cam Brock, and Dave Beal. So uh, Bob Stoops is going to the XFL. And i got to be honest. At first, I was like, wait, uh, this guy could have an NFL jobs. He could have, I don't know, a, a college job of his desire maybe in his former home state in a place like Ohio or go to Chicago that he loves and he has a nice condo in right on the Gold Coast there. He could do all this stuff. The XFL? Uh, I mean, Vince McMahon? He hate me? I mean, that circus? Bob Stoops? Buttoned up Bob? I just didn't get it. I just didn't get it. And I know some of you are mad because I'm talking to you again. And we talked a little bit earlier about Kyler Murray. But, hey, time for one of your former head coaches to uh, get an XFL job. And I'll talk about them, right? It's just I can't control the news cycle. I apologize. <laughs> anyway, uh, this, this news here that came through, and I, I was just shocked. This just does not seem like Bob Stoops. Now, I know this new XFL is going to take a different approach. It's not going to be that dog and pony circus that it was 15, 20 years ago. It's going to be more serious. And no, it's not going to be the talent level of the NFL, but they are going for a real product. 
So Stoop signs on with the Dallas club. And first off, you drive two and a half, three hours down to Dallas from Norman. Makes sense. He's got his kids on the OU football team. Uh, it's in a different time of year. You know, this is going to be running in the spring. He can still watch his sons play football on Saturdays in the fall. I get it from a lifestyle standpoint. Um, but at the same time, Stoops told ESPN that he liked the idea of getting back into coaching without it being overly time-consuming. Now, maybe the XFL is going to have a bunch of washed-up guys coaching that are kind of similar to Bob Stoops. Yeah, just guys that kind of want to you know, kick their feet up, still be involved with the game, but not necessarily have to do all the intensive 24-7, 365 work of, say, the NFL or college. Maybe that's appealing to a lot of guys like Steve Spurrier running around the sideline like a madman in the AAF last week. I mean, that was entertaining, was it not? Um, but... It's also like, I feel like Bob Stoops is the kind of guy who is very concerned about legacy, what people think, the image. And if the XFL does crash and burn, I mean, is this Roger Clemens the second time around with the Yankees? Is this Michael Jordan with the Wizards? Is it Brett Favre with the Vikings at the tail end there? Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe that's too critical. And maybe nobody's going to care. Uh, or maybe Bob Stoops says, hey, it's a way to keep kind of keep my my gears going, keep myself in place because I do want to coach again once my kids are done with OU and they're out of the house and, you know, I'm looking for something to do. Maybe it's a way to kind of wet his whistle and keep himself going on the football side and the coaching side. Maybe that's all it is. But if he's like, yeah, this is great, it's, it's coaching football without it being time-consuming – well, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail because you're going to have a lot of young, hungry guys out there and coaches as well, potentially, trying to make a name for themselves. And if you're going to be the guy that's like, yeah, I'm just here to kind of keep myself involved, well, that could turn ugly. You know, and what if the XFL is a legitimate league and people are watching it and Bob Stoops is going 1-10 in 10 or 1-9, in nine, so I think they're going to have 10-game seasons. Is that going to look good on the resume? Are people going to care? Maybe you're not. I, I just, I, I don't quite get it, you know? I don't quite get it. And that's why it's like, if both your sons were going to go to OU, I get maybe not wanting to coach your sons and wanting to step away, but at the same time, why not coach your sons? <laughs> that could be pretty cool, you know? I mean, Drake's a player. He played a little bit last year. I don't know about the other one. His name's skipping my mind. But they were both preferred walk-ons, right? And, you know, uh, why not do that? I don't know. The whole thing just kind of uh, feels odd to me. Not saying it won't work. Not saying it's not the right move for him. I just hope he got paid as well. I hope old Bob got paid for his XFL job. And it's a big get for the XFL. Hey, I don't want to take anything away from the XFL. This is what Vince McMahon and um, uh, the commissioner had in mind. Why am I blank on the commissioner's name? Oliver Luck had in mind then, hey, they, they nailed it here. I mean, if they want to be taken seriously, Bob Stoops is a great way to do it. And I'm sure Bob Stoops hopefully made sure this is not going to be uh, the sideshow that it was 20 years ago. And I don't think it's going to be. They made that very clear. Oklahoma State, oh, I should say this, a quick note, Pooh Strickland retiring from football. I saw that from our friends at Sikkim 365 this week. You know, had a nice career as a wide receiver, uh, played quarterback in high school. Baylor is going to be fine at that position. But anytime you see that, a young guy retiring from the sport, you wish him well. Uh, moving forward, Oklahoma State got its new offensive line coach, 
and his former Kansas State offensive line coach, Charlie Dickey. Uh, what happened is Mike Gundy lost Josh Henson to Texas A&M. I know Texas A&M overpays for everybody. They are uh, the classic team that just overpays because they're so self-conscious about themselves. They're such a bunch of losers. They're never going to win anything, so they overpay. I don't blame Henson for taking it. If somebody wants to overpay you for your uh, ability, when you're talking that kind of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you take it and you run with it. It is what it is. All right? You do what you got to do. But this hire of, of, um, of the new offensive line coach, Charlie Dickey, is a really good one from Mike Gundy. You know, this position has turned over extensively over the last few years. He becomes the fifth coach in seven seasons on the offensive line. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable when you talk about turnover. And Mike Gundy is a guy who likes having that consistency. That's important to him. Uh, that's why he's getting guys out of Shippensburg and Princeton, figuring, you know what, they'll stay for a little bit. They will stay. And when you look at the job that um, that Kansas State did with Dickey as the offensive line coach and the development that he had with guys like Dalton Reisner, Scott Franz, Cody Whitehair. Uh, these are top-tier offensive linemen in the Big 12. And Gundy said that he had actually tried to hire uh, Dickey away from Kansas State, but he was so loyal to Bill Snodder he wouldn't leave. So this is a perfect opportunity, a perfect hire, and in many ways, the perfect guy for... Uh, Mike Gundy to get in there and develop his offensive linemen, which are in desperate need of development. You know, I, I'm not going to say it was all the fault or anything like that of Josh Henson, but I'm kind of amazed that AM would dump all this money on a guy who uh, did not do a very good job with that unit, right? Uh, is that fair? Is that a fair criticism of last year's Oklahoma State offensive line? I know they dealt with some injuries, but my goodness, I'm not an offensive line guru, but I have a hard time seeing how that was a job that's worthy of a pay raise and a job upgrade. Maybe that's just me. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, you guys are fantastic. This show is growing every single week because of you, and we can't thank you enough for joining us. Please do check out the site, heartlandcollegesports.com. A lot of great content up there. Check us out on the radio show. Um, YouTube, the podcast, everything else. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place, right here on Heartland College Sports. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Thanks, as always, guys, for checking out the show. Really appreciate it. And if you want that free koozie, the Heartland College Sports koozie, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And then send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. A screenshot of the rating and the review, and I will get the koozie in the mail for you. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.